Good morning, everyone. Just finding once again that we will not be able to worship together today. To be able to know that special sense of God's presence when we worship corporately and to share from God's word. Nevertheless, I'm grateful that we have this ability to share together. I trust that you are all keeping well and that by looking to the Lord, you're finding the strength and the peace that we all need to, in order to get through this time of testing. I thought it would be good today to continue the series of messages that I started a few weeks back so that we can try and get back as best we can to normality. However, before I share my message this morning, I would like to start by taking time to <laughs> bring a word of encouragement regarding the situation we find ourselves in, and also to ask you to pray with me about it. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13, Paul shares his secret on how he is able to face life's negative experiences. Let's read it together from the New Living Translation. He says, Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with anything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Or as the King James Version says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, look at that word, content. Paul, with God's help, had learned to be content. When I see that word, I think of two things. Two words. I see rest and I see peace. No matter what life would throw at him, Paul was at rest. And Paul was at peace. And I believe this morning that that is the place where God wants to bring us to at this difficult time. You and me together. First of all, he was at rest. He had learned to stop struggling. He stopped trying to overcome it by his own efforts. He was at rest. But secondly, he was at peace. He was at peace inside. He was not anxious or worried about it. Now he goes on to anticipate the questions that maybe the Philippians would ask him and how they, he, he could do that. But before he had a chance, they had a chance to ask, Paul wanted the Philippians to know that he came to that place not in his own strength, but through God's help. He knew from a human perspective he would not have been able to get there. And he wasn't going to boast, look what I can do. He said, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And so as you face these challenging times, no matter where you may be right now on the scale of 1 to 10 for contentment or for rest or for peace, I want to encourage you that you too can be able to say with Paul, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
How do we do that? Well, simply keep your eyes on Jesus. Maybe let the chorus you have probably sang many times in good times be put into practice. You know what I'm going, going to remind you of? It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Now I know you've sang that many times in good times, but now is the time to put it into practice. And if you do so, I believe you will be able to join in with the hymnist who penned these words. Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. I am finding out the greatness of thy loving heart. So let's pray together. I'll read a line, then you can repeat it with me afterwards. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. It's your name that is honored from generation to generation. It's your name that is honored from generation to generation. You alone are worthy of all glory and praise. You alone are worthy of all glory and praise. You are not shocked by the state of the world right now. You are not shocked by the state of the world right now. Your ways are not our ways. And you are not at a loss about what to do. Your ways are not our ways and you are not at a loss about what to do. Nothing is impossible with you. Nothing is impossible with you. And so we proclaim that you will be glorified through this pandemic. We proclaim that you will be glorified through this pandemic. With you, we can overcome every storm. With you, we can overcome every storm. We ask that you, we ask that you heal those that are sick and protect those who are not. Heal those that are sick and protect those who are not. Give our leaders extra wisdom as they navigate this pandemic and economic uncertainty. Give our leaders extra wisdom as they navigate this pandemic and economic uncertainty. Protect all healthcare workers. Strengthen your church. Strengthen your church. Show us how we can reach the needs of those around us. Show us how we can reach the needs of those around us. Calm our fears. Calm our fears. Fill us with your hope and joy and peace as we put our trust in you. Fill us with your hope and joy and peace as we put our trust in you. Use these circumstances to pave the way for spiritual renewal. 
Use these circumstances to pave the way for spiritual renewal. Continue to draw this hurting world back to you. Continue to draw this hurting world back to you. We long to see your glory. We long to see your glory. We long to see your power and healing in our lives and in the world. We long to see your power and healing in our lives and in the world. That your name will be known and praised throughout the all earth. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So let's now consider the message for today. So far in our series, we've looked at being grateful. We looked at being made whole. We've looked at fulfilling God's purposes in our lives. I want to talk today about giving as a lifestyle, giving and not taking. But first of all, let me ask you, how have we doing in these areas? I hope you've been working on them. Firstly, have you been growing in gratefulness and thankfulness? It would be good if you can recall instances that allowed you to put it into practice. It's certainly something we should be looking to do as we go through these difficult times. And secondly, has the Holy Spirit spoken to you about any broken areas in your life that need healing? Have you submitted them to the Lord and asked for his help to see them heal? And thirdly, have you embraced and began to pursue God's purposes in your life as a priority? So that's where we've been. And so now we come to the subject of being a giver. In Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 24, the NLT version says this, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. We read it again from uh, another version, the English Standard Version. It says, one gives freely and yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers one. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. Now in a lot of preaching today, so much emphasis is placed on getting. And of course it's true that when we come to Christ and receive salvation, we truly are blessed and receive great things for ourselves. So it's true that God wants us to live out of his infinite provision. In all ways, spiritually, healthily, materially, and so on. Scripture tells us that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus.
Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. However, we limit ourselves. And the full purpose of the gospel in our lives when we are simply concerned with getting. I believe the gospel ultimately is about giving. It's about serving. It's about ministering. <clears throat> the New Testament emphasizes this over and over again. In Acts chapter 20, we read this. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's read it together. We're going to read from verse 32 of Acts chapter 20. Paul is talking. He says, Now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance for all those he has set apart for himself. I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. I believe that Transformation Church is called to be a church community. As at its core and is built upon the principle of a giving spirit. Why, you may ask? Well, I believe it is because that is what I believe God's purpose is for our lives and for the world is all about. God is calling us to be a church that is committed to and dedicated to giving to God, giving to one another, giving to the church, and giving to our community and society. Of course, I'm talking about much more than money, although it is an important test of the heart. We're talking about what is called the disposition of the heart. What governs our heart? Or what is at the core of my personality? What is it that governs how I decide to relate to God? What is it that governs how I relate to the church? or to God's people, and to the world around me? What is it that I am naturally inclined to do in my relationships? My relationship with God, my relationship with the church, my relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ, in my interaction with the world. It can be put this way, what is it that I instinctively do? What is my gut first reaction? Is it my instinct to... First look after number one, or to think of the welfare of others. <clears throat> the, the New King James Version in our text identifies the core issue. It talks about having a generous soul. Then in Philippians chapter 2, we read, the, read this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. 
but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only on your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now it's interesting that Paul uses that phrase again. He'd use it as we uh, saw earlier um, when he talked he's about it being more blessed to give than to receive. He said, that is what Jesus said. And now we see him again saying, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Do not nothing out of selfish ambition. Do nothing out of vain conceit. But in humility, consider others than yourselves. Each of you should <coughs> look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. That is what Jesus said. We, we can so easily fall into the trap of seeing God as nothing more than, uh, I've used this phrase before, a sugar daddy who is just there to meet my desires and to be my, my make me feel good fix. What we do, <clears throat> when we do this, we actually lead ourselves into a dead end where the blessings will ultimately stop. Why is that? Because that is always the result of a heart whose disposition is one of selfishness. The Apostle James reminded us in his fourth chapter, he says, even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. See, God's heart is disposed to give. There's a heart of love. His heart is actually a reflection of who he is. God's whole being is love. God cannot be anything but a giver. God is love. I believe that is exactly what God intends for each and every one of his children to become and for his church to demonstrate. He intends that each and every one of us becomes a giver. He intends that each and every one of us becomes a giver. A giving heart is impossible without love. Paul, writing in 1 Corinthians verse 30, chapter 13, says this. In this, the love of God was made manifest amongst us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. What a challenge. If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Paul reminds us in Romans, he says, God's love has been shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. In the book of Jude, we read this, but you, beloved, building yourself up on your holy, most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves Keep yourselves in the love of God. 
Paul prays in Thessalonians, now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. See, God forgives us so that we can forgive others. Ephesians chapter 4 says, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgive you. And then in Colossians, he says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Because we're reminded of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's very challenging, isn't it? Here's some other verses. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. Or with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. Give. Another version says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. Like the New Living Translation version says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Amen. God is not just talking about money there. There are talking about all those things, about forgiveness, about uh, meeting the needs of those around and about us, not necessarily through money, but in many other ways. I want to leave you with a few thoughts, or principles about this subject of giving. In Psalm 24, sorry, 2 Samuel 24 and verse 24, uh, David uh, had been made an offer. Uh, he had, uh, king had tried to give uh, King David land, oxen, and other items for sacrifices. But King David resisted, saying that he could not present to God an offering that cost him nothing. He says, nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. See, the heart of faith is that unless you experience some sacrifice, you have not truly given. Unless your giving costs you something, something that represents a portion of your life, then it is not a living gift and will not yield a good harvest. Thus, our giving to God should have these three qualities. First, it should be our best. Because God has given his best to us, we want to give our best to God. We could expand on that, but I want to keep it short right now. Second, we should give to God first. 
The first thought in our minds after we have received something should be, how can I give a portion of this harvest to the Lord? And thirdly, our giving should be generous, flowing freely and abundantly from our hearts. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. Let me repeat that. We should give our best. We should give first to God. And our giving should be generous. I trust that these few thoughts will be a blessing to you today again. And uh, be praying that God will continue to give you strength and wisdom and all that you need to uh, overcome again the, the difficulties that we find ourselves in. But coming back to what we shared at the beginning, when the Apostle Paul declared, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God bless you.